Uh, I want to turn to First Peter, uh, chapter one, just three or four or five verses there. First <clears throat> Peter one and verse thirteen. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We read these verses sometimes and we go on to the verse 19 and sometimes without thinking of what has come before. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. How important it is in Scripture for our minds to be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been graciously given, when we accept Christ as our Savior, the very mind of Christ. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. We look around the world today and it is people's minds that are at stake. Young people's minds are constantly filled with music and rubbish and noise. And just, if we can get people, Satan says, to have their minds occupied all the time, they won't have time, they won't have space to think about the things of Christ and the things of God. And that's what's happening. I'm amazed how many people, you see them out for runs, running along and they have their ears plugged and they're listening to something even while they're out running. While they're in trains, while they're in buses. At home, while they're doing their homework, young people have the radio on all the time. People's minds are filled to capacity these days. They don't have room, they don't have time to listen. I see where a school today was saying that they, they've started an experiment by starting school at 10 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because young people don't go to bed early enough. They're sitting, listening, and watching 
playing games on television till the small hours of the morning and they're not able to get up for school. So in order to try and uh, correct the sleep pattern of young people, the school has decided to open at 10 o'clock instead of the normal time. And they say that they're seeing improvements in the teaching and in attendance and in lateness and all the rest of it. Because people, young people, don't go to bed early. They're listening and watching and playing games constantly. And therefore it, it is so important that this verse says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes to collect us and to bring us to be with himself at the rapture. But until then, gird up your minds. And then he says, as obedient children, Oh, unfortunately, we also see in the world today a lack of obedience in the young people. They are told in school that they have uh, rights, but very seldom told that they have responsibilities. As obedient children, what about it? not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts which you did in your ignorance. You've been brought into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, change your fashion. Unfortunately, many Christians we see, they like to be fashionable. Fashioned according to the world around them. But he says here, Peter, don't fashion yourselves according to the former lusts which you did in your ignorant. But as he that hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Your way of life is to reflect holiness. Does it? Because. Why? Why should my life reflect holiness? It is because it is written. Be ye holy, uh, for I am holy. Quoted from Leviticus 11.44. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Separate. Sanctified. Set aside for the use of God. And then it says, If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, in godly fear, knowing that each one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And there we will be judged as to how we lived our Christian lives. That should make us, if we really think about it, that we sojourn our time down here 
in fear. Not quaking, but in godly fear. Because God wants us to live lives which reflect his holiness to the world around us. And then we come to these well-known verses. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. Now we got rid of all those corruptible things. Those, that vain life we lived in ignorance before we accepted Christ as our Savior. You were not redeemed with that. That life we lived in those days would never save us. Oh, there are those who think that they can buy their way to heaven by doing good works, having a, a vain tradition, received by tradition from your fathers. We look around, we see it in so many churches that you need to do something in order to receive this eternal life. But you were not redeemed that way. That wasn't the way we were redeemed. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It is because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you and for me that we have been redeemed. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. They were redeemed through the blood of the lamb which they slew and which they offered up to God. And because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we have been redeemed from the wicked world in which we live. And we have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And we come this morning to remember him because of his shed blood. He left us this memorial feast. He said this do. In remembrance of me. You've been redeemed. By my blood. And I want you to remember my death. Until I come. We used to sing this hymn years ago. By Christ redeemed. In Christ restored. We keep the memory adored. And show the death of our dear Lord until he come. His body broken in our stead is here in this memorial bread. And so our feeble love is fed until he come. The streams of his dread agony, his lifeblood shed for us we see the wine shall tell the mystery until he come and thus that dark betrayal night with the last advent we unite by one blessed chain of loving right until he come until the trump of God be heard until the ancient graves be stirred and with a great commanding word the Lord shall come O oh, blessed hope with this elate let not our hearts be desolate 
but strong in faith, in patience, wait until he come. And that's what Jesus said. As oft as ye eat this bread and drink this wine, ye do show the Lord's death until he come. We'll return to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Although time is going to, to beat us maybe. but Deuteronomy chapter 28. And we look at, uh, briefly at this, the, the, rest of the, the rest of this chapter, which is a long chapter. The last time we met, we spoke about the fact that these verses treat Israel uh, as uh, nationally. And we saw that they were going to be blessed if they obeyed the word of God. Look at verse 7. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Scatter them all over the place. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. And if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways... And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow and this verse listen and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day to observe and to do them and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them but but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day 
that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And then if you read the chapter, and I'd like everyone to read it, it's just full of curses that will come on the people if they disobey God. Oh, he wanted to give them so many blessings. But if they didn't obey his word, these curses would come upon them. And there are dozens and dozens of curses which would come on these people if they obeyed not the Lord. Oh, the blessings which he wanted. He wanted to pour. He, he had a great delight, it says later on, in pouring out these blessings. But similarly, it says, and verse 63, And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. Why? Why did they not obey? When they heard this litany of curses which were going to come on them. Why? The, because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked man sets his face against God natural man we were reading that we should live our lives and sojourn down here in fear waiting for the coming of the Lord they were to live their lives in obedience to God's word and they failed man failed miserably the curses that will come upon them regarding their prosperity their businesses sickness would come on them they would be defeated by their enemies they'd be taken into captivity they'd be persecuted they, they, their, even their mental situation would be affected they, they would go into slavery. There would be death. Cannibalism would come about. We see, we, we, we see in, in verses about 52 and 53. He shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down wherein thou trustest throughout all the land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body. The flesh of thy sons and thy daughters. Which the Lord thy God hath given thee. In the siege. And in the straightness. Wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. People who were delicate and, and, and refined. Became brutes. Why? Because they disobeyed the voice of the Lord. Curses upon curses within that chapter. And we saw, if we go through the Old Testament, we see how many of these things were fulfilled. And the people, the, the God's chosen people are still under judgment. 
we're not going to go through all those uh, curses but read them why? it happened because they disobeyed the voice of the Lord but let's look at that verse verse 13 and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail and thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day God wanted his people to be a blessing but they failed miserably but you know there were those people scattered throughout the Old Testament there were these wonderful people of faith who maintained faith and trust in God they didn't have an easy time if you look at Hebrews 11 we have all those people mentioned the people of faith not them all but the main ones who trusted in God and right through into the time when our Lord came there were people like Simeon and Hannah who were still believing and trusting in God waiting for the, the, the Messiah to come but they were in the minority people who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in fight turned to flight the army of the aliens and it gives those people who suffered because they had that faith and trust in God the Jeremiah's, the Isaiah's, the Ezekiel's the Daniel's dare to be a Daniel dare to stand alone dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known God was looking for these people but sadly they were in the minority the majority of the people rejected God they rejected his promises they rejected his laws they rejected his statutes and the whole nation we saw where they were taken into captivity and, and by Nebuchadnezzar then they were taken they, they, they just disappeared throughout scattered throughout the world and today we see that scattering still and the children of Israel God's chosen people are under God's judgment and he wanted them to be the tops he wanted them to be the head and not the tail. I was thinking about this actually on a much lower level perhaps. God wants us as Christians to be shiny examples for him. We read in that passage in First Peter that he wants us to be living lives which are holy which are examples 
separate from sin, away from the, the type of life we lived before we became Christians. He says, you did that in your ignorance. But he says, I want you to be holy. The, the, the utensils in the temple were sanctified. And that's the way he wants you and me to be. They were set aside for his use, for God's use. That's the way he wants you and me to be. He wants us to be the tops. He wants us to be first and foremost ambassadors for him. Representing him in this world of sin. You know, every time we start a football match or a cricket match or any of these games, throughout the world today, people would be tossing a coin. And people would be calling out heads or tails. God wants us to be first and foremost heads for him. He wants us to be the best. To be the best that I can be. But you know, we can't do it in our own strength. That, that's the failure. We need to submit ourselves commit ourselves totally to God Satan is at work in this world I want to say something uh, about what is happening in the world at the moment I feel very strongly about this If you have been watching the news and listening to any Irish news, you will see that there is a crisis in the Roman Catholic Church in Ireland. There are calls for Sean Brady, who's the cardinal for the whole of Ireland, for him to stand down because of his... Uh, association with child abuse throughout Ireland it's, it's terribly serious there has been cover up after cover up by the bishops and the heads of the Roman Catholic Church in Ireland and it goes right up to the top to Cardinal Brady he at one stage there were these two young children one was nine and the other was thirteen and they claimed they had been abused he interviewed them on his own which seems to me completely incredible that a man who is who is a, a celibate would, would get involved in interviewing children who had been abused by priests and one particular priest who was and this, this particular case was one of the worst paedophiles in, in, in the history of the, the Roman Catholic Church. And that's saying something. And he interviewed them and he believed them. He said he believed them. But he did nothing about it. And he made the children sign an oath of secrecy. So that they couldn't tell the police or anybody else about what had happened to them. 
And then he did nothing about the priest. And the priest went on for about another 15 years, I think it was, abusing girls and boys in convents and in schools. And now it's all come home to roost. And he says he's going to think about his future. Bishops have resigned, but they haven't resigned voluntarily. They've been dragged screaming and made to resign. And the Roman Catholic Church in Ireland is putrid. And here's an interesting thing that appeared in the Daily Telegraph. Nick Squire is speaking from Rome on the 11th of March. This also appeared in the Times. Richard Owen, the Times correspondent in, in Rome, and it has appeared in many other papers as well. The devil is lurking in the very heart of the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican's chief exorcist claimed yesterday. Father Gabriel Amorth said the assault on the Pope on Christmas Eve by a mentally unstable woman and the sex abuse scandals that have engulfed the church in the United States, Ireland, Germany and other countries were proof that the Antichrist was waging a war against the Holy See. The devil resides in the Vatican and you can see the consequences, said Father Amorth, who has been the Holy See's chief exorcist for 25 years. The evil influence of Satan was evident in the highest ranks of the Catholic hierarchy with cardinals who do not believe in Jesus and bishops who are linked to the demon, he said. While there was resistance and mistrust towards the concept of exorcism among such some Catholics, the Pope had no such doubts, he added. And he has come out with that. This other uh, correspondent says, uh, when one speaks of the smoke of Satan, a phrase coined by Pope Paul VI in 1972, the smoke of Satan in the holy rooms, it is all true, including these latest stories of violence and paedophilia. And he goes on to say about all the cover-ups is uh, uh, evidence of where one can see the rot. And we have Protestants jumping over themselves to be partners with this church. It's, it's just incredible. Now why should, why should a man like Sean Brady thinks that he can interview a child like this on his own. Here's the reason. I'm reading from the Roman Catholic Catechism. This is not, these are not my words. The, these are not my uh, words regarding this uh, abuse in the Vatican. These are the Roman Catholic Church's own men speaking. Here's what it says about the office of a priest. And you know, to, to an extent, too, this is what the Anglican Church teaches about their priests. This is what the Church means by saying that the priest, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders 
acts in persona Christi capitis. That's it, in the place of Christ. It is the same priest, Jesus Christ, whose sacred person, his minister, that's the priest, truly represents. He truly represents Jesus Christ. Now the minister, that's the priest, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, is truly made like the high priest, truly made like Jesus Christ. This priest, he says, is truly made like Jesus Christ and possesses the authority to act in the power and place of the person of Christ himself. So those two youngsters, when they were brought in before Sean Brady, were before Jesus Christ. And when and that's the, that's what they've been taught. That's what these children are taught. That's why they're called vicars. They stand in place of Jesus Christ. That's what vicar means, vicarious. And these two little children, when they were told they had to sign an oath, it was as if Jesus Christ was saying to them that they had to sign that oath. Which is horrible. And then he lets the two of them go out and does nothing about the priest. And this has happened again and again and again. And on Radio 5, I was listening to it the other night, there was a girl, and a 17-year-old girl, in a, a sheltered accommodation of the Roman Catholic Church. This priest kept coming through to her and raping her. The same priest who was involved in the, the, the Sean Brady case for another 15 years he went on raping children going to schools going to the convent schools and, and, and raping the kids and it has now got right as far as the Vatican they're accusing the Pope when he was in Munich that he covered up other paedophile priests while he was the chief of the Roman Catholic Church in Munich we need to be very conscious of what is happening in our world today what is happening in other churches Satan is out to get people's minds that's what it says. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. That people are standing there. And they are as Jesus Christ. For we have received from God. The Father honour and glory oh yes we are possessed of the mind of Christ and let us be sure that when we say things that we are saying them in accordance with the word of God and not according to the mind of somebody who has created a catechism of evil and allowing children to be molested 
We need to pray for these victims. Pray for these priests who are tied in with such an evil system. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of our minds. Be sober and look forward to the appearing of the blessed Lord Jesus when he will come to take us to be with himself. But we need, you know, I'm only saying this from a practical point of view, we need to know what's going on. We have all these people around us getting involved in churches together and all the rest of us. What are we tying ourselves into? We're tying ourselves into an evil system. God wants us to be holy, to be pure, to be separate. Oh, you'll be called a pharisaical and all the rest of it. Be ye holy, God says, for I am holy.